What are you going to do about Jesus? What are you going to do with the Lord of glory? What are you going to do with God's offering to all mankind? What are you going to do with the choice that the Lord makes to every one of us? Today's message from Harvest Church of God, Pastor Jerry Irwin asks, Are you in the army of the Lord? By aligning ourselves with Christ, we can become soldiers for God. Jesus is our ultimate warrior. Did you know that? Amen. Jesus not only is our Savior, but He's the captain of our salvation. He is our commander-in-chief in this war against sin and evil and this bondage that holds people uh, away from Him. We want to celebrate today the, the Lordship of Jesus and celebrate the fact that He is Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. And it has pleased God that in Jesus all the fullness of the Godhead should dwell bodily. In other words, when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. God is the image of the invisible God. Amen. And it hath pleased God that He should have preeminence in all things. He is before all things, the Bible says. There are no angels that are above Him. There is no created being that is above Him. There is nothing that takes preeminence over our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus. And because of that fact, He is Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. And the Colossian letter said, He is all and in all. In other words, when you say Jesus, you've said it all. Amen. He was there on the creation day. He was there on the birthday of the church. He was there at the ascension. He was there at the tomb. He was there at the cross. And He's ascended now to assume the role of mediator. Mediator between God and man. In other words, we learned last week that a mediator is one who restores peace to others who once had hostility. In other words, He brings us back to God. He bridges the chasm and brings us back to God. And we are engaged then in a battle for souls. Did you know that? That we're engaged in a battle. We've given a commission by our commander-in-chief. He gave it to us in Matthew 28, 19. You remember what it said? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Make disciples, teaching them. Make disciples of all people, communicating to them what God has communicated to us that made us members of the family of God. There are many metaphors that are used about this body of people we call the church, the church of the living Christ. We, we call it the, the body of Christ. It's called uh, the, the army, the family of God. There are all kind of metaphors, but it's a wonderful thing to know that we're enlisted in the Lord's army. There's a, a psalm that says, we are in the army of the Lord. The army of the Lord. Are you in the army of the Lord today? Amen. There are people scattered all over this auditorium today that have served this country and and the military. And I'm so very proud of you, and I'm so proud for the sacrifice that you made. And This is a day, Veterans Day, this next Wednesday, the 11th of November, that we honor people who have served in the military services of our country. Amen. And I want to do that right here this morning. If you have served in the military, would you stand, please? Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, would you stand, please? Would you say thanks to all of our folks today and say to them we thank you for the service that you have rendered uh, uh, to this country. It's a wonderful thing and it's a mighty thing that God has given to us 
the opportunity to celebrate the goodness of God and the things that you've done. And I want you to know that Harvest wants to celebrate you today and wants to say thank you. We owe you a tremendous debt of gratitude and thanksgiving, and we appreciate you so much. One more time, say thanks to God for all of our good veterans. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let me talk to you about this. Coming Wednesday, November the 11th, the United States of America will observe Veterans Day. Veterans Day is a national holiday that is set aside for honoring the men and women who have served their country. When I was typing that out and getting ready to do that, I, it somehow misspelled it. got to saved instead of serve their country. They saved their country. In many ways, military people have saved this country because they fought the battle against forces that would like to destroy this country. And the people that have given their time and their energy and military service to America. This day honors the commitment and the sacrifice of those who made a difference in the world we live in. And to them we owe this tremendous debt of gratitude. At 5 o'clock in the morning on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918, in a railroad car outside uh, Campaign, France, the armistice was signed which ended World War I. And this day was first known as Armistice Day. Later it was changed to Veterans Day, and it is a day that has been set aside to honor all veterans, both living and dead, who have served in the military of the United States of America. It's a slogan that we've seen many times, all gave some, but some gave all. And that's exactly true. And no greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. All gave some, but some gave all. It has been said, and it's very true today, that it is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to assemble. It is the veteran, not the uh, politician, who has given us the right to vote. It's the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us freedom of religion. You see, another definition of a veteran is a person who has had long experience in a particular field. If a pastor's been a pastor a long time, they call him a veteran pastor. If a person has been a machinist for a long time, then he's a veteran of uh, his craft and his trade. And that's, that's very true. With that in mind, I want to tell you all of you in this room are veterans. Right. There are some here that have served the Lord for decades. Amen. I think Faye told me one time that she came to this church, and she's in their sixth decade. Is that true? Six or seven? She was 10 years old when she came to this church. And she would, wouldn't fuss at me for telling you her age. She's 80, and she's proud of it. Can you believe 70 years as a member of this church? Wow. How brilliant that is. Amen. I think Randall told me his dad brought him when, here when he was six, was two years old, I believe he said. And right now, I know he's pretty close to me, so he's bound to be 70. He's been here 68 years. Can, ooh, can you say thank God for that? That a child came here at two years old and he's still here. Amen. There are others of you that have served the Lord for many, many long years. So in, in effect, you're a veteran also in another army, and that's the army of the Lord. The fact is there are men and women here today who have soldiered in the Lord's army for many, many long years of experience in the battle for good and right. 
They have endured the high cost of discipleship through many dangers, toils, and snares. They have sacrificed and fought for the right in many a conflict. They've met and engaged the enemy at various times and on various venues, remaining faithful to the mission and focused upon the prize that is to be won. Yes, they're male and female. They're black and they're white. They're rich and they're poor. They're recognized and overlooked. They're formally educated and some without formal education. But there's one thing, an all-consuming thing in all of us, and that is we were destined to please him who called us to be a soldier. In 2 Timothy 2 and 4, the Bible said, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, being a soldier is part of knowing the Lord in a different relationship. It means, soldiering means that you have submitted yourself to the authority of the Lordship of Jesus. Amen. As our commander-in-chief, there is an army that God has. It's called the army of heaven, the army of God. Revelation chapter 19, if you'd like to put it on the screen for me. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11 says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, the armies which were in heaven. Wow, how did God's army get to heaven? What is God's army doing in heaven following Jesus at the second coming? This is what we call the second coming of Christ in Revelation 19:11, when Jesus comes back to this earth with the armies of heaven. And the Bible said he sat upon a white horse and he was called faithful and in true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. Eyes as a flame of fire, head many crowns, a name written that no man knew. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Who do you know as the Word of God? The Lord Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. The Word is the person of the Lord Jesus. And He Himself is coming back to this earth one day, not again in Bethlehem's manger, not clothed in swaddling clothes and rags, but he is coming as a conquering uh, warrior, as a conquering king. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, clean and white. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that it should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings. Somebody say with me. King of kings and Lord of lords. So today we're finding people to enlist in the Lord's army. And uh, you can come into this army different ways, preferably by enlisting. Sometimes you get drafted. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just chases you down. 
And sometimes the Holy Spirit just causes you to be drafted into the original uh, vine, the Bible says, and you become a new person because the Holy Spirit comes to you and finds you and conscripts you. An example of that is Saul of Tarsus. He's on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to punish them for simply being a Christian. But on that road, he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. Every man on his way to eternity at some time steps up on God's scales. At some time, he has an encounter, a confrontation, a fork in the road when he must decide once and for all what he's going to do about Jesus. That's the real question. What are you going to do about Jesus? What are you going to do with the Lord of glory? What are you going to do with God's offering to all mankind? What are you going to do with the choice that the Lord makes to every one of us? When he was drafted, the Lord told him, said, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to make you a great vessel of honor. And through you, many of the Gentiles are going to receive light. And he commissioned him and said, you're going to be a preacher of the gospel, and you're going to communicate great things. We owe to the Apostle Paul much of what we have in the New Testament. All of the architecture of the New Testament church, all of the things that come to qualifications and responsibilities, they all are in that passage right there for us to read. And it's there because the Apostle Paul was moved upon by the Holy Spirit and wrote down what the Holy Spirit committed to him. Now, in this army of the Lord, there's general orders. In every discipline of the armed forces, there's what they call general orders. They call them GOs. That means there's a set of things that every person is commanded to do. God has ten of those, ten things that he's put in his word. They're called commandments. They're called decalogue. And the first five of those ten commandments deal with how we should behave in relationship to our God. And it, the last five also are there so that we'll know how to behave in our uh, relationship with one another. The first five are to God. The last five are to one another. These first five, number one, he says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Don't ever forget who you are. And don't ever forget where you're from and who you serve and who your supreme commander is. You see, there is a precedence that is taken by our relationship with God, that our God is the Lord of our lives, and that is a priority over all other things, over all allegiances that we may have. The one that is preeminent is the one we have with our God. How do we relate to our God? He says, don't have another God before me. In other words, know who the authority is. Know who the one is that we're responsible to. Know who the one is that we're accountable to. Second thing he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make no graven images. What does that have to do with soldiering? Don't ever adopt the culture or the customs or the philosophies of the enemy. In other words, he's saying don't sleep with the enemy. Why does God want his church to be a church that is totally his? Why does God want us to have no other gods, have no graven images, nothing that even indicates that we have any allegiance or relationship to any other God? The Bible says, Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, 
And God says, there are no other gods beside me. There are no other gods beside me. And our God has designated one way of fellowship with him, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is salvation in no other, the Bible says, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is through Jesus that we have relationship with God. It is through Jesus that we communicate with our God. It is through Jesus that we have righteousness and peace in our lives as children of God. Remember, thou shalt have no graven images. The third one, thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord God in vain. What does that mean? That means loose lips sink ships. God says don't take his name in anger. Don't, don't use his name as a slang expression. Don't use his name. His name is a holy name. His name is a precious name. His name is a pure and undefiled and uncorrupted name. His name is above all others. His name is above everything, everything. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess. And that's going to happen one day. I said, that's going to happen one day. Not right now, but one day. One day. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Don't ever lose focus is what that means. Don't ever let your mind drift or be so distracted that you would forget what loving God and knowing God is all about. Don't lose your focus. Remember your mission. What is our mission? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of every person. Honor thy father and thy mother, the fifth one. What does that mean? That means respect authority and obey orders. And here's one, do it by the book. Do it by the book. God loves it when you do it by the book. What does do it by the book mean? We use that term a lot of times to denote someone who is really regimented in a certain way. They're not given to getting off course or off subject. They're not given to uh, detours and sidelining. They're very focused on what they're doing. They do it by the book. In other words, you get pulled over, you get a ticket. Yeah, there are certain things that they do it by the book. Soldiering is done by the book. You've got to respect the chain of command. You've got to obey them that have to rule over you. It's a common military slogan. God's army is an army that's in the field. It's an army that's in the field. And one of these days, we're going to get an order to move out. One day, we're going to get an order to move our residence. We're going to move from this earth to become the heavenly army, the armies of heaven. Right now, we're the army of God. We're going to be the army of heaven in the nearby and by. In a day just like this day, one day, we're going to do that. There's going to a trumpet sound. Everybody who's in military knows about trumpets. The trumpet will sound, and the Bible said, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. When the Lord appears in the clouds of glory, Randy, he's coming, and we'll meet him in the air. He's not coming all the way back to this earth at the rapture of the church, an event we call the parousia. He's not coming all the way back to the earth at that time. He'll stop somewhere between where he is now and where we are. And we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air.
And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then we will go back to heaven with him, that where he is we may be also. That will also be a time of terrible destruction here upon this earth. It's called the tribulation period. There will be awful things that will happen. A one world ruler will arise. He is called the Antichrist or the Antichristos. The Antichristos is a person who this world will uh, endorse and will come to his uh, wisdom and his knowledge about peace. His theme will be peace. He will come in riding on a white horse. In other words, his, his anthem and his theme will be peace. But the Bible said when men begin to cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes and they shall not escape. For this one world ruler will say, I've got the answer. And if you'll do what I say, there'll be a one world government, a one world currency. And all of these things are all setting themselves in order right now so that that time can come about. And uh, many years ago in my life, I wouldn't have thought that could be possible. But now I've come to know that can be possible. That you can number every human being on the face of the earth and that you can track every one of them. Have you ever had your phone to talk to you? You were talking with somebody else and suddenly your phone answered a question that you were talking about? Who was listening to you? Somebody's listening. Somebody's keeping up with you. You're carrying it around in your hand. It's possible now to communicate with every person on the face of the earth by one person at one place at one time. Yes, it is. And we would be very naive if we stood here and said there's plenty of time. No, you don't have plenty of time the way I read the Bible. The next event that's going to take place is this command that's going to come from our commander-in-chief to move out. Praise God. And one day soon, ordinary day, just like this day, we're going to go to be with the Lord in the presence of God. Won't that be a great time? Why don't you give the Lord a, a hand clap of praise and say thank you, God, for that fact. Let me show, show you the church in the field, the army in the field, and show you how that works. Acts chapter 16, Cheryl, verse 5 through 30. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. What a good praise report about the work of God through the early church. In other words, the army is growing in number and the army is getting stronger. The number of disciples increased. The churches were established in the faith. Isn't that great? The church has really gone through a terrible time in this pandemic. Did you know that today the national average of churches that have started having services again, the average is 36%. 36%. That's just a little bit over one-third. So two-thirds of the church has been diminished during this pan pandemic. And we're in a time of, of real struggle. I don't know what church is going to look like on the other side of the pandemic. I don't know how much it's, how long, longer it's going to last. I don't know. I don't know who holds the future in this country. I know who holds the future in our lives. And that is our great God holds our future. And our trust is not in man's intuition or man's intelligence. Our trust is in the provision of our God and our covenant with him. Amen. The Bible said we are kept by the power of God. And if we're kept by the power of God, 
then no evil shall come nigh our dwelling. And if we're kept by the power of God, then he will sustain us with his strong and mighty right hand. And I'm thankful for that fact. When God's people are in the field, God's army, then there is a battle to be fought. And the church is in, established in faith, increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word of God in Asia, after they were come to Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The Spirit suffered them not. Who's in control? God is in control of his army, isn't he? And they passing by Mycenae came down to Troas, and in a vision appeared to Paul in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia, prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. In other words, we call that the Macedonian call, or the call to go into Europe and to bring the gospel-saving salvation of God. And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to get on the road to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. From thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. Whose heart the Lord opened. Whose heart the Lord opened. Do you believe God can open hearts? I said, do you believe that God can open hearts? Wow. Do you mean that sin-hardened people can be confronted by God and God can open their heart? You mean people that have no history of serving God or knowing God, their heart can be opened? The Bible said, then God opened the hearts, opened the hearts of these people. And a certain woman named Lydia, her heart was opened also. She attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. When she was baptized, whew, when God opened her heart, Randy, she was so excited about it, she wanted to be baptized that same day. As soon as she got saved, she wanted to be baptized. As soon as she experienced the change of life and the transformation into a new creature in Christ Jesus, she said, I need to be baptized. And the Bible said she was baptized that same day. Praise God. When she was baptized, her household, she besought us, saying, If you've judged me faithful to the Lord, come to my house. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, a little girl, the same followed Paul and us and cried, These men are servants of the Most High God. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. You mean Christians have a power within them to say to an evil spirit, Come out? Do you mean that Christians, people who are in the Lord's army, have at their disposal a weapon that is called, you can take power over all the powers of the enemy? You mean that God can open people's hearts and the people of God can speak to a spirit that is evil, a spirit that is filthy, a spirit that is wicked, and say, come out of that person? And the Bible said, and he came out. And he came out. Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to use my name, he said, 
And Mark's gospel said, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. They shall cast out devils. They can take authority over evil spirits. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And Paul turned to this little girl and cast that evil spirit. It was a, a spirit, the Bible said, of divination. In other words, it's fortune-telling. Fortune-telling. And he turned to that girl and he said, In the name of Jesus, come out of her. And suddenly she could no longer tell fortunes. Well, the problem with that is the money that was attached to it because she was working for some people that got well off of her pitiful condition. She brought the money back to these uh, businessmen. And when they found out we can make profit like this no more, the Bible said they were very angry. And they went to the magistrates of the city and they stirred up the magistrates against Paul and Silas. And the Bible said that they were placed in prison and the jailer was given a commission to keep them. And the Bible said the jailer put them in the inner prison because he knew that if they escape, I'll be killed. I'll be punished by giving my life. Wow. But I like that next verse, don't you? Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They checked in with their commanding officer. And they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Heard them. In other words, they were using some psychology, psychological warfare. Is that what it is? They tell me that during World War II that Tokyo Rose used to broadcast to American military and would tell them, you're going to lose this battle. It's lost cause. You can't win this. It's just a matter of time. There's no need to fight on if you'll surrender. Then uh, you'll fare so much better if you'll just turn yourself over to the Japanese and we'll take care of you. Psychological war. How many of you ever had the devil to do some psychological warfare on you? You're not going to make it. God's not going to help you. God doesn't answer prayer. You're a fool for believing God and going to church and reading your Bible. That don't work, you know. Do you mean the devil does that? Why he does it to me? Why would he not do it to you if he does it to me? I'm the preacher. He's going to tell you all the time, don't believe the Word of God. Don't believe preachers. Don't believe what you hear at church. Why does he do that? Same reason Tokyo Rose did it, to get you to give up, to get you to quit fighting. But God's army needs to keep fighting. And the prisoners heard them. Someone, a pastor, told this little funny saying he told one of his members when he said hey you need to get in the lord's army he said oh i am he said oh come on now you hardly ever come to church twice a year i see you on easter and christmas how can you be in the lord's army he said secret service <laughs> wow 
Paul, back beaten to a bloody pulp, hands in shackles, feet in shackles, his feet submerged in the awful wetness of his prison. But at midnight they sang praises unto God. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open because God sent an earthquake. God did not send an earthquake to set them free because they didn't run. If God sent the earthquake to free them, they would have jumped and run. But nobody ran. Pastor, why did God send an earthquake to save a soul? I said to save a soul. Because when the jailer ran in and saw that they were all loose, he drew his sword, and the Bible said he would have killed himself, but Paul said, Sir, sir, do thyself no harm. We're all here. And the Bible said, Then the jailer fell on his face and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It might be that while the other prisoners heard their singing and their praying, but evidently the jailer heard it too because he understood, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. You see, when God's army is at its best, people realize their need of salvation. When God's army is doing its best work, then people are one to the Lord. He opens hearts and he gives people an opportunity to change their lives. That happens when people are good soldiers of the cross. But Paul cried, do not self no harm. And the Bible said, though beaten and deprived of food and medical attention, our soldiers continued to be faithful. They maintained their focus. They maintained their trust and their faith in God. They never lost hope. When you read some of those stories like John McCain gives a pilot that was shut down, shot down in Vietnam and he talks about what it was like to be a prisoner of war and to keep on believing and keep on focusing and keep on knowing who you are and keep on knowing that God will take care of you. He said to be able to do that for not just a few days but for years to do that. What does that tell us? That means that if you focus your mind and you set your heart and be determined, you can make it through. You can get through anything if you can be determined and keep your mind focused upon God. The success of their job was a soul got saved. Harvest can be successful in many ways, but the greatest success that Harvest can ever realize is souls get saved. Souls get saved. That's the bottom line. I said, that's the bottom line. I said, that's the bottom line. And we've come to realize that the more of the gospel that's preached, the more people will be saved. The more you can communicate the life-saving, life-changing gospel of the Lord Jesus. You see, Paul was not so concerned about his own safety. He didn't pray about his own safety. No. He prayed that the, well, let me give you. He said, this is my prayer request. One thing have I desired of the Lord. This is what I want, he said. This is what I pray for all the time that the gospel may go forth and have free course as it is with you. What was Paul's prayer request? Here's your good sermon title. What was the Lord's or Saul's prayer request? He said, my prayer request is that the gospel will be preached and that the word will go forth 
and people will be saved. What a blessing that is. Thank you, God, for allowing us to honor you and to worship you and praise you on this Veterans Day weekend. We thank you for the men and the women that gave their lives, and we thank you for the people that made sacrifices, the families that saw their loved ones depart and leave and go to a foreign country, foreign land, to represent freedom and represent America. I thank you, O Lord, for the price that has been paid for our freedom, and I ask you to help us as a nation to always acknowledge the tremendous sacrifice and the tremendous payment of debt that is owed to all of these people that have sacrificed so willingly for all of us. I ask you to give them an enjoyable weekend and a safe weekend. Give us a safe holiday. We love you, Lord. We're the sheep of your pastor, and we're in the Lord's army. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and God go with you is our prayer. You have a real good remainder of the week.